Good morning, New Life. Good morning, everyone online. Isn't it a joyous thing to gather together to worship Jesus and to hear God's word and hear what he has for us this morning? I'm so excited that y'all are here. I have a, a, um, a verse. I want to read this translation. It is Psalm 100, verse 2, and it says, Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. So I know some of you may have come in this morning with the weight of the world on your shoulders. Maybe the weight of the world is on your mind this morning. But did you know you can sing your way into his presence? You can sing your way into worship. And when you focus on Jesus, when you start pouring your love on him, something beautiful happens. What happens is your perspective changes. There's a shift in your mind and in your heart. And so all of a sudden you realize that your worry has changed into worship. Your hopelessness has changed into hope. Your anxiety changes into peace. And your unbelief changes into unto changes into faith it's a beautiful thing and all of a sudden you're pouring your love on Jesus you're locking eyes with him and you're just experiencing a new thing you're experiencing his love and so this morning let's just concentrate on his goodness as we worship this morning let's concentrate on the king of kings who is exalted over all the earth. Lord, this morning, I just ask as we worship you that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see you rightly, to know you. Lord, it's our desire to know you more. Give us a new revelation of who you are this morning as we pour our love on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. stand. Let's worship Jesus this morning.
morning. Please have a seat. This is just for a moment. But well, speaking of who is perfect in this life and who we are trying to be like and hopefully being perfected to be reunited with him, uh, we go through a bit of discipleship. Our core discipleship course, or whatever you want to call it, class, uh, is rooted. Um, and we are wrapping up what started out as 10 weeks, turned into 12 weeks, uh, having a rooted class. And um, everybody, all of our class would like to do a testimonial. So we're going to have a cardboard testimonial or just take a moment and read uh, something that they've uh, experienced with God and a change that they've seen. Um, and just to mention to you guys a few things about Rooted. Uh, it goes over the rhythms, the rhythms that we have in our Christian life, things that we keep constant, um, like daily devotion, time in our Bible, prayer, uh, breaking strongholds, freedom from that, that comes with community, having accountability, uh, sacrificial generosity, serving our community, uh, sharing our story, and celebration. That is a part of your life with Christ. So, um, yeah, this last, this actually yesterday, we did a little bit of community service. Uh, we're out there doing a beach cleanup. Um, and that seemed a little impersonal at first when we were thinking about it, but it turns out to be a blessing to our rangers that uh, monitor that area. So they were very appreciative and uh, they got to see some of God's handiwork. Um, we're gonna have a celebration later this week. And uh, yeah, so if you'll please uh, give your attention to your new rooted grads.
we are proud of them, and you should be too. These are your brothers and sisters here in the body. So, um, possible, all, that's a mixture of also and possible. Also. <laughs> also. Uh, notable mention, not walking through here, uh, she suffered a, uh, an injury to her shoulder that she's still dealing with, but Amy was part of our group, and she's up there running our cameras right now. Amy Tom. All right. So, I'm just going to switch gears here a little bit. Here's something from the Rooted Book. Well, first from Jesus. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's in Matthew. In an explanation here of the book, there is a raging battle going on over which powerful master will claim our hearts. Jesus taught more on money than faith. On, Jesus taught more on money than faith and prayer, more than anything else except for the kingdom of God. He knew the power money can have in our lives and how it can help us accomplish God's purpose, but he also knew how easily it can strangle the very purpose for which we were created. If our hearts are not right and are focused inward rather than on God, the way we handle money will reflect that. Jesus talks about money to teach us how to use it and to place it in the place that it should have. He warns us not to live for money. It should never take priority over our relationships with God or others. I just want that to be a heart check. Let you know that um, it's not any amount. It's not any, uh, well, the way you do it is important, but what we are interested in is taking this huge idol out of people's lives and just that you have a healthy relationship with what God has given us, the grease that makes this machine world work, that we don't become lovers of the grease, okay? Uh, and that we love God. Um, also, wait, I'll tell you. Uh, we have four ways to give at our church. Um, we have our mailbox, our giving box, our website, the church app. Um, that's how you can get tied in with your tithes and your offerings. And importantly about offerings is that we support a mission out of Mexico, our local, the Baird's Loving Nations. And we have a special guest, Mr. Brandon Baird. Let's get a bit about what they do down there. I was told not to touch this button. <laughs> Good morning. Um, wow, there are so many new people here. Um, <clears throat> I'm so bad with names and everything anyways, but uh, who has not seen me or my wife here before? Wow, okay, cool. Well, 
Um, I will give you just a, just a brief uh, explanation of who we are and what we're doing. Um, my wife and I both graduated from Astoria High, um, but for the last uh, 10 years, since uh, October 2012, we uh, have been on the mission field in Mexico. Um, we have lived in a couple different places, but it's all been in Sonora, which is uh, the state directly south of Arizona. So. Um, <clears throat> this last 10 years, we've been working with uh, children almost exclusively. Uh, at this moment, we have a nonprofit in Mexico called Huella de Impacto. It um, uh, means print of impact, like, like handprint, footprint of God. Uh, and we have a teen center, and a teen, we're starting teen homes at the moment. Right now, um, we have a property that uh, we've we had some some churches. Uh, it was three churches that uh, just amazingly just gave to, to cover the cost immediately. We don't have any debt on it, and um, so we have this great property. We've got uh, some buildings. They have been being lived in and used for this last eight months. Uh, five days a week, we're there, uh, nine to five at least minimum. A lot of times, we're there more more frequently. Sometimes uh, we'll go there and stay the weekend with the kids. Um, but then they go back and stay at our house with us, so they live with us right now. Um, we haven't finished the, the homes yet for the kids, and so we're working on that. But um, yeah, our whole life is working with mostly teenagers, but uh, also uh, also our littles. We've got um, we've got eight total in our house right now, plus plus us, and then usually about two or three other uh, teenagers that stay two to three nights a week. So it's pretty busy, and. Um, we all have them all in different sports and different activities and those kind of things. And so uh, it feels like most of my, my life is, uh, is driving kids back and forth from some kind of practice or something. Um, when we've got eight kids and eight kids who have been through a lot of hard times, uh, we've got counseling, we've got doctor's appointments. You know, I'm sure you guys, a lot of you guys have experienced that. So just take what you've got and multiply it a little bit. <laughs> um, with the teen center, uh, and the, it's, it's more like a community center at this point. Um, we, we have opened up our doors to a lot of the, the neighboring uh, families and all of their children and their, and, um, and their teens. So we, we have open doors, kind of an open door policy. Anytime that any one of the uh, families uh, could use a meal, uh, we do one meal a day um, and we, we allow them to come in. And, and anytime they want, they can just come hang out and, and have a safe place to be. So um, we're in process of uh, creating what I like to call micro businesses, micro trades, to, to teach kids um, how, to, how, to, how to do some of the ma main things. Like, I mean, growing up, you guys probably learned how to fix your bicycle, uh, learn how to change your oil, uh, fill up air in your tires, do all those basic things from your parents, grandparents, uh, connection in the family. A lot of these kids that we work with have never had that option. In, um, in Mexico, more than 80% of uh, travel is done through buses. And every one of our kids have come from orphanage settings and they had never ridden buses before. They didn't even know how to get on buses. So um, sometimes we'll, we'll you know, take them in shopping with us and show them how to do shopping. Um, we're, we've got a little uh, store they call Abarotes, a little little uh, home store out of out of uh, houses, right? So we have it out of our, our teen center, and uh, we're teaching the kids how to do change and how to uh, sell goods. Um, our plan long term is to have a, a mechanic shop 
Um, we've got CNC machines, we've got 3D printers, so we're trying to teach them some more technology-based stuff. I'm, I'm a computer guy, so I like to teach them computers too, right? Um, and so, but my goal is not really to like start all these little businesses, but to get these guys' feet wet and get them interested in, in something that they can have a passion for, apart from God, because of course we teach God, um, but something that they can grab a hold of and, and maybe use for their future and for their family's future. And, and so the, the idea long-term is that we, we get them interested, we get them uh, connected, and then we find a way to plug them into to businesses where they can do internships, where they can work in those kind of fields. So we're really excited about what's next. Um, we, we have had a really hard couple years, um, but uh, it feels like we've kind of cut back. We've had, to, we've had to kind of cut our staff down. We've had to make some changes because of the... Well, the circumstances going on here, right? You know, gas seems to be getting real close to $10, and it's kind of scary. Um, but that also affects us, right, drastically. And so we've had, we've had to cut back a little bit, but it's, it's also been allowing us to kind of get back down to our foundations and um, kind of regroup and, and just plan for the next thing that God wants us to do. So um, just so grateful for your guys' prayer and support. Now now everyone else has seen seen us and knows us a little bit, so if you guys could be praying for us, that would be amazing. Uh, we can use every prayer you guys can give us. <laughs> um, so I just want to end real quick on, um, on a little kind of a, a highlight video, just some quick pictures and videos of, of uh, things that we can be thankful for, for what we've been doing. Um, and so I hope you enjoy. So go ahead and play it when, you, when you're ready.
I just want to mention real quick, uh, when you do do your tithes and offerings, uh, when you write mission in there, you check a box that says mission, that, that is our sole mission that we support. So um, that's how that's still in the end. All right, thanks. Let's worship. Everybody up.
imagine being in front of him right now because we are in front of him. What are we going to do? But my heart is just going to be broken, I feel like. And I don't want to stand in front of him holding on to all the things that I should have let go. So this is a moment that we can cultivate a surrendered heart and we can ask him, what is it, God, that I'm holding on to? And I wanted you to be aware because I'm asking you to sing lyrics that are actually pretty deep.
what happened what happened to that moment where you surrendered everything you had to Jesus Christ and now all of a sudden you're, you're holding back Father be with this congregation today help them to recognize that you're worthy of us surrendering everything because there's nothing on this earth even close to how awesome you are there's no amount of money, there's no position, there's no power that is even close to just being surrendered in your presence. Encourage your hearts to be that way today, Lord. God, I have been begging you all week long for something. I've been begging you for something for these people. And I need to be surrendered to whatever you have that they might receive what you want them to have. Open their hearts up, Lord. Open my heart up, Lord. I surrender all to Jesus. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. The... Uh, Bairds are, well, the scripture teaches us we're supposed to 
care for the widows and the orphans. And if there is anybody out there on the planet that cares more for children who need parents, it's the Bears. They've been through, like they said, they've been through a lot the last couple of years, but they're still serving the kingdom. And they're still serving those children. Yeah. And we get to partner with them. Yes. Yeah. Someone's excited. <laughs> We're in a series called Finding Your Inner Superhero, meaning that there's something in you that's greater than what I think we're seeing, or maybe you're even letting people see. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 says, By faith Noah, you all know the story of Noah, right? Cute little ark. Animals going in two by two. If you've ever handled animals, you know that that's not how it works. Those of you 4-H, or you FFA people. The rainbow, the cute little waters. By faith, Noah. See, I don't think we always see the full picture of the scripture in our own lives. By faith, Noah. Remember, faith is what we is not what we say is true, it's what we do because something's true. It's what your life shows to be true. Are you with me? It's more than just words that you say. I believe, I believe, I believe, and I hope you do. But I hope your life shows that you're living that faith out on this planet. By faith, Noah, being warned by God, Concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world. There's some strong words in this passage. He was warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world. And became an heir of righteousness that comes by. Can you give me that last word? Faith. Faith. It is not just something that he said he believed in. It's something that he acted on and he lived his life according to. According to. God warned Noah of an upcoming flood that would cover the earth and destroy all of humanity. From God's vantage point, the earth was corrupt and filled with violence. And in Genesis chapter 6, God says this. And he says this to Noah. By the way, this was before the book of Genesis was written. This is actually being lived out. God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh. I don't mean to smile, but that's heavy. Welcome to New Life. It's going to be heavy today. <laughs> For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Imagine hearing that from God. 
Imagine hearing that from God. God saying, I'm going to end it all. I'm, I'm done with humanity. I'm tired of their sin. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted by trying to help them and encourage them. I'm, I'm tired of trying to answer their prayers and them just using it for their own lust. Wouldn't you go around warning people if you believed that to be true? Peter, in speaking of God's wrath upon man's sins, said this, speaking of Noah, for if he did not spare the ancient world, speaking of God, that is right there, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. See, we, we know the story because we've seen the pretty pictures of the boat floating on the waters. We don't see the bodies floating of the men and women who died without salvation. We don't want that picture. We don't want to teach that picture to our kids. We don't want to see God as that just righteous God who has a right to condemn sin. Men and women who choose to live without him. But when Noah wrote this, he was, when Noah lived this, he was talking about events that nobody had ever seen before. God told Noah that it's going to rain upon the earth. But they had never seen rain. In fact, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 6 says, A mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the, the ground. They'd never seen rain. So when he says it's going to rain and it's going to flood the earth, They'd never seen rain. They'd never seen floods. So they didn't know what to believe. But Noah believed God. He built an ark that made no sense. How is it going to float? Why build it there? Why not build it by the ocean? I don't know exactly where he built it. But obviously it was a strange place. And he was preaching a message that made no sense. God's going to condemn the earth. He's not, he, he wouldn't do that. He would never do that. Noah's friends thought he was crazy for preaching about a flood and building an ark when they had never seen rain. See, this is the difference between the kind of faith that is a superhero faith and the kind of faith that's just a normal, everyday kind of faith. Noah had faith in a time when nobody had faith. I'm going to say that again. Noah had faith at a time when nobody else had faith. He believed the word of God even though he didn't understand what God was saying. To believe God's word when the outcome can't be seen in the immediate can only be done through your inner superhero. It's got to be the spirit of God inside of you telling you this is true. It's got to be something encouraging you to know that this this doesn't make sense, but God said it, and that, that means it must be true, and it's going to happen. Answers in Genesis says it took approximately 55 to 75 years to build this ark. So he's building this ark. People are around him, trying to figure out what is he doing. Why, why would you build this ark? It's never rained before. Just like Astoria. let alone a flood, but Noah had 
Can you turn me down a little bit? Thank you. Though he had never seen rain, let alone a flood, he built an ark that led to the saving of his family. That's powerful. He had never seen rain. He just knew that God said it was going to happen. He'd never seen a flood, yet God said it was going to happen. And yet he built an ark, preached a message of salvation to his friends, saying the end is coming, the end is coming. He had the sign, the original sign holder. It's the end of the world as we know it. Now, if you read the story of Noah, he wasn't perfect, but he was a great man of faith. And that's important for us because sometimes we think that the, the inner superhero is you, not the God that's inside of you. So we've got to be a little bit careful that we don't think that we're so awesome and that we're so perfect. And there's actually there was a, a twist this morning where I can, could kind of speak to Noah's sin, but we'll save that for another day. Because right now what's important to us is not what we've done, but what God says he's going to do. Noah walked with God when no one else around him did. People called him crazy for building this massive ark at a time when people didn't see the necessity of it. We live in a day when people don't see the necessity of God in their life. We live in a day when people don't see the necessity of trusting what God says is going to happen in the future. Even people who claim to be believers don't live as if they believe that the end is going to come. Amen. And if you actually live faith the way the scriptures teach it, people are going to call you crazy and they're going to make you feel bad about believing it. They're going to make you think there's something wrong with you because you believe what the Word of God says. The story goes on to say that God did what He said it would do. It one day started raining and it didn't stop for 40 days and 40 nights like Astoria. <laughs> and the only humans who survived were those who had faith in God's warning. Seven. But those who ignored Noah's message, the word of God died without hope. Faith is not what you say to be true. It's what your life shows to be true. It's not enough to say, I believe the end is going to come unless you're living your life in such a way that says, I'm preparing for that end to come. Jesus, when he began his ministry, preached a simple message. Repent for your, uh, of your sins and turn for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm getting my King James mixed up with my NLT. I think that's what's on the wall. No, there's nothing on the wall. <laughs> but even in Jesus' day, there were people who ignored the message of the Christ. To turn from their sins and, and to not just say that you believe you shouldn't sin, but to actually turn from your sin. And I thought about this. Has it become, is faith, real faith become so radical that it's rare to see? I mean, is it radical to believe that sin separates us from God? 
Or is sin so common that we no longer see the need to turn from it? I mean, when was the last time you recognized you were doing something against the Word of God and you said, I'm going to stop doing that, and you stopped doing that? Or did you just say, oh, God's just going to forgive it anyway? Has it become radical to believe that Jesus, I'm sorry, has it become radical to believe that those who live without God will go to hell? See, we don't like to use that. That's not a, a friendly term in this generation. Not this generation, whatever age group it is, but this moment in time. Nobody wants to talk about hell, which the scripture teaches is a place where people who do not know Christ go to spend eternity. He even gives an example of a rich, a, a rich man who went there and begged for someone to tell his brothers and sisters to trust Christ. God said it's too late. See, there is a place of separation from God and there's no way to get out once you get in there. The wage of sin still is death. Or at least that's what the scripture teaches. Has it become radical to believe that though God is a God of love, He is the God of justice? Like, yes, He loves us. He loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But for those who reject that message... They face condemnation. Do you believe the wage of sin is death? And do you live your life according to that? Has it become radical to believe that the world's only hope, the world's only hope, the world's only hope is Jesus Christ? Is that such a radical belief that you would set your life about living for Jesus Christ to honor him, to let people know about him? That God in his humanity in the name of Jesus came, became our sacrifice and by his deity, which is the Christ, Jesus Christ. And to, hope, to have the hope of salvation, we've got to do more than pray away our sin, but surrender that sin to him. Is that radical? Because the scripture teaches these things but I don't see us really living them. Is it radical to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by Him? Like there's no other name under heaven given among men, given among, given among, given among, given among, given among men whereby we must be saved? Like is He the only name? Then why are we offering people other names to salvation? If he is the only way, if he's the only truth, if he's the only life, why are you living some other life? If you say you have faith, has it become radical to believe the word of God to the point of actually obeying what it says? Even when it doesn't make sense? Has it become radical to turn from our sins and live according to the word of God? Is, it, is that a ra 
Like, are you a radical if you actually turn from your sins and you stop doing things that you know that God is against and start living for the things that God is for? Is it too radical to ask the question, will your children be on the ark? Too early in the sermon to ask that. <laughs> See, for those who don't believe, this is the message that will save them from death. But we talk about a flood and they've never seen rain. And our faith is the only thing that they see. Is it radical for them to see Jesus is the source of your faith? And like Noah, does what God's word say to you that you can see by faith cause you to live in such a way that it lets them see salvation in Jesus Christ? Are people coming up to you and seeing your faith and saying, wow, you live differently than other people do? You just keep talking about this Jesus guy. See, the problem is that I, I believe part of the problem is we as a generation like to plan. We not only want to know what's going to happen in the future, we want to know everything that's going to happen in the future. We want to know that we have to build an ark and he'll tell us how to build the ark and he'll tell us the dimensions of the ark and he'll, he'll help us with that. But we want to know how it's going to float. We won't build it until we have all the information and then once we have all the information, then we'll go ahead and we'll trust God by faith. Once we get all of the plans and all of the things written out and all of the, the information that we need, then, then, then we'll believe once we see it all. We want to understand what rain is before rain happens. Come on now. How many of you, God has spoke to you about something and you said, well, I, I need to understand it more. Why don't you just do what he says? No, 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 because I need to know what rain is. I've never seen rain. I don't understand what rain is, but I need to see rain. We want to experience a flood before we fear one. If God says he's going to flood the earth and it's going to destroy all of mankind, fear his word. Have faith in what he says. But we want to experience a flood before we'll fear one. Can I just say something? I live here because there's very little things naturally that will kill me. Right? I don't need to live in Tennessee to find out that hurricanes, or not hurricanes, but tornadoes are bad. I can see the results of that. But I've got a brother, and he went through a tornado, and, and him and his wife were telling me all the scary parts. I didn't need to be there to be a part of it, to know that I don't want to live anywhere where there's tornadoes. When we were in San Francisco with my, with my daughter, we experienced some aftershocks of a great earthquake that happened in the 1980s. I just had to experience the aftershocks to know I'm sure glad I wasn't there for the real thing. Yeah. I could just hear the stories of people, what they experienced, and know that I don't want to experience that. Mm -hmm. 
See, Noah, by faith, after hearing God's warnings in reverent and respectful fear, constructed an ark to save his family. This faith was so radical that God used it to illustrate to us how to be right with God. It's not by saying you know what it says, it's by living what it says because you believe what God says, whether you've seen it or not. Is your faith radical or regular? Like, some of you go to Starbucks. I always ordered the house coffee. Throws them off every time. They never have it ready. <laughs> because I'm comfortable with the house coffee. I'm afraid to say all the other things that you guys say that you want business. <laughs> I don't want to sound like an idiot. Sometimes it's easier just to be a regular believer. Right? Sometimes it's easier just to be that regular guy because you don't want to you don't want to be radical. You don't want to half cap decap cap. <laughs> See, I don't even know the words. I can't even I can't even pretend to know what I'm talking about. Is it radical for fathers to lead their families in prayer? Is that radical? Then why is it so hard to get fathers to lead their families in prayer? If you believe God answers prayer, if you believe God hears your prayers and, and, and he responds to you, why wouldn't it be the man of the house leading the house in that area? Now, it's easier to have the kids pray because then I don't have to look like a fool. No, you just look like you don't have any faith. But um boom <laughs> Is it radical for mothers to get their peace from God? You guys look for peace in everything else. But is it radical to get your peace from God? Ladies, those of you that struggle with anxiety, and I know there's guys that struggle with anxiety, you can go either way on that, but why don't we ever just go to God for that peace? The peace that he says passes all understanding. Is Is it considered radical to give God one day a week to gather together with his church? Is that radical? You know, the average church member in America today, the, the average person who claims to be a Christian and attends church service, attends church 10 times a year instead of 52. Because it's so radical for me to believe what Hebrews chapter 10 says about not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another, provoking one another unto love and good works. Yeah. Like, I have a responsibility to other Christians that that I can't just take it off for my own good, for my own self, for my own... I'm not saying don't go on vacation. Please don't get legalistic on me. (laughs) But when it's come down to once every six weeks, and that's regular, it's radical for you to show up once a month. You are crazy! (laughs) To show up three times a month. 
You are nuts to never miss. No, you just believe what the scripture says. And I know you might say, well, I, I haven't seen all the benefits of attending church. It's probably not the church's fault. Might be they got to wait on God. Because my father attended church faithfully for years. And he had three out of five sons going to full-time pastoral ministry. So something he believed must have stuck with me. Has walking by faith become so radical that the things that have been historically believed in and lived by that are no longer done faithfully by the average Christian? Some of you, when you were younger believers, were more faithful to God than you are now. You believed the Word of God so much that you changed your life. Has that just become too radical now? Has life change become too radical? Like, when was the last time you really changed something dramatically because you read the scriptures and knew what God was saying to you and you said, I've got to obey the word of God no matter what I feel or think? Noah believed what God said, though he couldn't see it. And he lived his life preparing for his and his family's future. Now, let me be clear here because I, I, I heard a lot of sermons on this subject. No one never preached condemnation. He was preaching salvation. He wasn't being radical just to be a radical because there's a lot of believers that will do that. You'll just be radical to be a radical. You'll just be a jerk trying to condemn people to hell. See, Noah's faith wasn't about him being right, but about God being right. Matthew chapter 5, 16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, Noah didn't just build an ark for his family. He was trying to save humanity. <coughs> His faith in God's word and the fact that he lived his life according to that word just simply added to the truth of the message. People believed it because he was living. He was building an ark and nobody understood what an ark was for. He was preaching salvation that God wanted to save mankind but men wouldn't repent. There was a man whose faith went before Noah. His name was Enoch, and he walked with God just like Noah did. And after his Enoch was taken by God, he, he never died. He was taken by God because he was so right with God. This statement was made. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, speaking of God. For whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, it's not enough to believe that he exists, but you've got to believe that he's going to bless you and, and encourage your faith life. 
The faith of all the men and women written in Hebrews chapter 11 was considered radical. They had radical faith. But their faith was memorable as well. I worry about that in my own life. Will my faith be memorable? Will it be not just my faith in me, but my faith in God? Will people look at me and say, wow, he really trusted God at that point. When nobody else trusted God, he stuck with it. When nobody else wanted to follow God, he was following God. He was making life change, not just in the beginning of my faith life, but now, even up to this moment, and 59 years old. See, these superheroes didn't always understand what God was saying or why he was saying it. But they lived it. They drew near to him by surrendering their lives to him. Can I just ask you a couple of simple questions this afternoon? Do you, do you believe the word of God regarding humanity's condition? That those who reject God and refuse to repent of sin will suffer the wrath of a just God? And do you believe the word of God regarding humanity's salvation? Genesis 6, 8 says, But Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you believe that the only hope of mankind is Jesus Christ? Then are you living your life through that lens? See, here's why this is important. Because... Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving, giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man. It goes on to teach that the end of the world it's going to surprise many. They're not going to know when the hour comes or when the time comes. But there's going to be people living next to you that are, you're going to be gone and they're going to be still here. There are going to be people living with you that aren't, aren't going to enter into God's presence. They're not going to go to heaven. They're going to be stuck here. There will be people working with you that will never... Receive the forgiveness of sins because they never saw Jesus in you. Some will be taken, some will be left. History teaches that the early church thought more about the second coming of Jesus Christ than even about death or heaven. In fact, Alexander McLaren says that the early Christians were looking not for a cleft in the ground that it resembled a grave, but a cleavage in the sky called glory because he knew that as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that one day the dead and are going to rise first and then we are going to meet him in the air and so will we forever be with the Lord. But not everyone's going to go. Peter said this in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days scoffing following their own sinful desires. And they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since his, the fathers fell asleep or died, all things are continuing as they've been since the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked the fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God 
and that by means of the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But at the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. There's going to come another flood, but it's going to be a fire. Do you believe what that scripture says? Are you living your life according to that? Is your faith so radical because you believe that the end of the world is, could come at any time? Again, the early Christians, they, they weren't worried about their current position or their current possessions. They were concerned about what happens if Jesus came back. Who would be left behind? Every aspect of their life was focused more on what God promised would come than on their present problems. Do you believe, and by that I mean, do you live your life by faith focused on a future of a flood that will be a fire? Years ago, I surrendered all. Not because I'm so spectacular, but because I realized there's a real hell. And people who do not know Jesus Christ will go there. And so I began to go door to door sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was a door to door evangelist. And I was one of those creepy guys that knocked on your door and asked you if you died today, you know, sure you'd go to heaven. Because I wanted to know where you, where you stood with God. I was so concerned with my coworkers that I freaked them out when I went from being a sinner to a saint in like a moment. We used to go out and party, and then I stopped partying with them. And if I went to party with them, they didn't like it because they didn't drink, and I was the only sober one with them. And I would ask questions like, is that helpful to your marriage? Does that really bring you joy? Are you... They quit going with me. In one of my earlier Bibles, I have an obituary with the name of a man who I had the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with and I didn't. Because I was in one of those places where I was more uncomfortable sharing the gospel with him than actually more uncomfortable that he might go to hell. He died three days later. I keep it in my Bible to remind me that I don't know if he knew Jesus Christ at all or not. And that my flesh was so afraid of rejection that I didn't preach the message of Jesus. Yes, there have been moments in my life when I've been afraid to preach. I'm not talking this kind of preaching, but like literally sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes my inner superhero hides behind myself. And then I'm reminded by the scriptures over and over again that this is true and real. I've never seen hell. I still believe there is one. It's funny, we always believe there's a heaven because it's, it's positive for us.
Now that you're all uncomfortable, we should sing I Surrender All again. Yeah. Because there's people in this world that still don't know who Jesus is. And within you, there's a faith that is either radical or regular. Well, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. What, what would be crazier than watching their bodies float around in the... I'm not trying to be gross or disrespectful or whatever you want to call it. See, Noah, once this was all over, went and got drunk. And I believe it's because he couldn't handle the fact that there were people who he tried to help that didn't want his help. I don't think he got drunk because he felt like he failed God because he did everything that God asked him to do. Because his faith wasn't regular. It was, it was crazy. In that, that was his big sin. I carry a name around in my Bible to remind me that there are people that do not know Jesus Christ and my responsibility is because I believe there's a hell and they don't even understand what rain is. They don't understand what hell is. And I know who the Savior is and because I know who the Savior is, I have a responsibility to share that Savior with them. I know that's radical today to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's radical for you to share it with your kids anymore. Next time you go to a sporting event, I want you to ask yourself this question. How many of those kids playing sports are going to go be with God because their sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ? And how many of those kids are going to spend eternity in hell? Well, they, they, don't, they don't understand what hell is. I get that, but they need to know what they need to know is who Jesus is. You guys have it in you. If, you. if Jesus Christ is your Savior, the Spirit of God indwells you. You can't tell me He's saying be afraid. He knows there's a hell. But He also knows there's a way out of it, and His name is Jesus. Sometimes you just got to have that radical faith. And when it happens, it's kind of shocking because most of us are just living off the regular. Isn't that true? Let's stand. Father. I just want you to forgive me for all the times that I let the presence of people become more important to me than the presence of God. When people influence me more than the truth of your word, 
I desperately ask your forgiveness for the number of times that I should have represented my Savior better. Though the world may have thought it was radical, though my kids may have thought it was radical, though my friends may have thought it was radical, it's real. Father, each one of us has somebody that I'm sure you could put in our minds who we might lose to the fire. You're coming back. You've promised it. We, we believe it. We look forward to that day. But we have a responsibility to live our faith so radically that people will see what they can't see through me. Encourage our hearts today, Father. Heads bowed and eyes closed. The Lord's touched your heart in some way this morning and you need to come to this altar and surrender all. Maybe surrender that regular faith. Ask God what a radical faith looks like. What does it look like? To actually believe what the Word of God says even though you may not have ever experienced hell or heaven. say thank you for somebody in our lives living such a radical faith that they shared Jesus Christ with us. Father, maybe for this moment we'll just give you glory, but we will also thank the person who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. The person that wasn't afraid of rejection. Father, the person that wasn't, was more afraid of what would happen if we didn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ was more fearful of what would happen to, to our souls if we were separated from God, that they couldn't hold back from sharing the gospel of Christ. Father, if there's one in this room, just one in this room that does not understand what this means, please encourage them to come forward and ask. We don't want to push it on them, but we also don't want to leave them alone either. 
Father, if they need Christ, let today be that day. Because a fire is coming that looks like a flood. You're coming back. We believe that. We don't want to leave anyone behind. Help us to live this out, Father. Help us to do more than just talk about it, but do something about it. Jesus, we pray and all God's people said. Before you leave, I just want to challenge you in one thing. Share the gospel with somebody that you haven't shared with before. Just share who Jesus is, what he's done, what he can do for them. Don't be afraid. Have some faith. Have a great day. God bless. Go home. Don't forget your kids, please. I'm sorry if I can just one second. Uh, Mr. Brandon Baird has uh, one quick announcement. Hey, I, I forgot to say this when, we were ta- when I was talking before, but um, we on the 28th of, of uh, this month at 7 p.m., we're having a Zoom call to open it up to anybody who would like to uh, have a little bit more of a connection with us, asking us questions. We're going to talk a little bit more about what we're doing uh, currently. Um, so that's open up to all you guys, and, um, and I can talk to, to uh, leadership here and, and uh, get the Zoom information out, uh, maybe on the Facebook page or something like that. So, um, or, or feel free to contact me or ask me questions. I can, I can get you the information today.